I want to take a moment to say thank you to our show sponsors, which today is Organifi. I love all of their products because, number one, they are organic. Number two, they are USDA certified organic. They're very low in sugar. They use the best superfood ingredients, and I've found a couple of products I'm absolutely in love with. Let me tell you the three that are my favorites. The first is Organifi Gold. That's what I'm drinking at night. It's like a warm cup of tea, but it kind of tastes like kind of an earthy hot chocolate. It's made out of nine different superfoods, and they are designed to help you get into deep sleep and recovery. You'll have better sleep. You'll have better REM sleep, which is really important to cleaning out those toxins in your brain and helping you to wake up and feel restored and refreshed. I drink that at night. Then during the day, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I mix two other of their powdered ingredients. One is called Organifi Pure. And for me, it just tastes a lot like my lemon ginger water. I drink Pure because of the brain impact. It has clinical research that shows that your BDNF, which is your brain-derived neurotropic factors, are increased by over 206% by drinking this. And it tastes delicious. I happen to mix that with another product they sell that's called Immunity. And I started taking that at the beginning of coronavirus. And it's designed to improve your immune system. It just gives you the antiviral, antifungal, antibacterial support internally that you need from a combination of ingredients like beta-glucans, olive leaf extract, and vegan D3. I mix those two together. I think it's delicious. Organifi is a great company all the way around. Customer service, their product development, the way they lab test their ingredients. It matters to me, and I know it matters to you too. So check them out. I'm going to spell it for you. Organifi is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Shaleen. And when you go there, they are going to give you 20% off all of their products when you use code Shaleen. So you go to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash Shaleen. That gets you 20% off. All their products are great. My favorites, Pure and Immunity. Hey there, welcome to this edition of The Shaleen Show. Today we are talking about all things plastic surgery, facial injections, like all of the girly things. You're going to get answers to all of your questions from one of my absolute favorite people on the planet. This is Beauty by Dr. K. Her name is K. I can't pronounce her last name. That's okay. She'll forgive me. But let me tell you, when it comes to understanding the female aesthetic, this is our go-to gal. Dr. K works out of Pasadena, California, and she is the go-to person for lip injections, cosmetic surgery. She understands the female aesthetic, and it is because of her qualifications and experience. She isn't just a plastic surgeon. She's truly an artist who has a very natural approach, who understands that beauty shouldn't be a trend, even though by some people's standards, it is. She is a fellow of the American College of Surgeons. She's a member of the American Academy of Facial Plastics and Reconstructive Surgery. She's also a clinical professor at UCLA. She's got an outstanding must-follow Instagram account. And more importantly, for those of you who want to do a deep dive, she's got a great podcast. It's called Beauty Bites. So you can look up her specific topics based on you know the title of each podcast and like learn more about rhinoplasty or lip injections, etc. She's just got a great approach to help people understand pros and cons, timing, why certain things are better to do now versus later. It helps people to understand like how to get started, how to make sure that you still look like you versus the filters that 
can really mess with our brains. We love Dr. K, and she is here to answer all of your questions. Dr. K, thank you so much for being a regular and very popular returning guest to The Shaleen Show. This is my favorite place to be. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite place to be is where you're sitting right now, in your office. I leave just feeling more youthful and more like myself. So super excited to answer a bajillion questions that we got from the audience. And, you know, I think before we jump into them, if you don't mind sharing with us just some general advice that probably most plastic surgeons wish people understood before they decide to do injections or some kind of a surgery? Of course. So number one is do a little research and bring us examples of work that you like. If you have lip filler in mind, bring me a picture of two or three beautiful lips that you, that's your aesthetic. And then that translates so much better than you trying to tell me with words. So I love that. I love you to get recommendations of good work from friends. Remember that you can't just buy filler anywhere. A filler is not a filler is not a filler. You have to know that the person injecting is the most important thing. You can give two people a paint box and paint two entirely different pictures with the same box of tools. So anyone can buy filler anywhere, even on Amazon. They can do a really crappy job. It's not about the price. It's the art and the skill and the expertise. And these products can be dangerous if they're not used expertly. And even somebody who, in my own experience, someone who's been doing this for a very long time, who has exceptional reviews, let's say, for their plastic surgery work, and they're very reputable, etc. But if you go to them for fillers, that is not the same thing as going to them for maybe a cosmetic procedure that's under anesthesia. And there's no denying the fact that there is an artistic aesthetic that not everyone has. Like anyone can learn how to inject, anyone can become a doctor, but the art of understanding like every part of the anatomy and and how to help somebody look the same or, or to modify the way that they look, it's so much an art form. It just cannot be understated. It's true. And the consumer has a hard time untangling the facts because like you might think, okay, this person's a doctor. I can trust them. But I had a patient who's my long-term patient went to see her OB-GYN male doctor She's known him for 20 years, a great doctor, has delivered so many babies. But when she came in with lip filler, I was like, it was botched and had lumps and had irregularities. And I was like, what are you doing? I don't know if I trust that man to put my mascara on, let alone my lip filler. He's a great doctor, but there's so much skill involved and it's precision artistry. And you got to do a lot of volume of the same work over and over to get good results, not just sporadic. Facts. This might not be very popular, and I don't want to get you in trouble in your industry, but I'll say it if you're not willing to. I just think a woman kind of understands a woman's aesthetic better than a man. Oh, my God. So true. So true. And I get in trouble all the time in my industry for saying what I think, but I don't mind because I really feel that there is a difference between a woman provider and a male provider. And it's Mm. just that concept of like, I wouldn't trust every man to put my mascara on put my face together. Certain men, yes. Amazing. The best makeup artists sometimes. Right. But 98% of them are not. (laughs) And that's not to say that that all female are superior, but I'm just saying like, you know, as a woman, you do understand a certain aesthetic that we might be trying to ask for or go for. And, And while we're on that subject, you're a minute over 40. Mm -hmm. I'm a minute over 40. And I think that has a lot to do with understanding what happens as we age and really relating to that woman who I'm not 
trying to deny the fact that I'm aging. I mean, I was doing this when I was in my late 20s. It's just something I've always done. Now it just takes a, a much more careful, discerning eye so that I, I want to look like I look. <laughs> yes, you know? maintaining your self-identity is so important because people can erase every line now with filler, but you can change and contort the way the face looks to the point that the person is not recognizable or they lost that cute factor of their face and that, that self-identity needs to be preserved and you still should feel good about yourself. But that whole concept of men explaining beauty to women, like this is mm. you beautiful mm. in a man's eye. It's not a man's eye that counts to us. And I always find that so upsetting on Instagram when I see images of women's bodies sexualized and like with boob lips and butt lips and contouring. And they're putting these sexy bikinis up. And I'm like, I have droopy boobs from four kids, but I don't want to see that image to inspire me to get my boobs done. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's really important. I also think that when we, you know, you see these kinds of images, it's like you said, to imply as if we're doing this for men. And I don't know, maybe some women do. But I find that myself and my girlfriends, like when I'm picking out outfits, even, you know, let's not forget about injectables. When I'm picking out outfits, I'm like, oh, well, my girlfriends think this is cute. You know what I mean? Like, I think we dress for each other. Yes. So that that's a whole nother topic. So many of my listeners wanted to, they want to start doing this. The first question is like, when should I start getting Botox or injections? Is that something that I am better off starting that younger so that I don't have to do as much later? Or will I look overdone by the time I'm in my 50s? I'm a big fan of starting as soon as you start to see repetitive lines, lines that are present at rest like static lines, that's when you should start. So 26, 27, 30, whenever your face is starting to show it. And whenever you look in the mirror and you see a certain area that keeps bothering you, that's the time. So but don't when do you it just start, because everyone's you, doing it. No, don't do it just because you're 22 and all your friends think baby Botox is cool. Wait till you see some functional issues like some static lines or you know that it runs in your family and you're starting to see that groove. But when you start early, like I did my first Botox around 26, 27, and then you just really never get lines. And you yeah. at that age, you maybe you do it once a year, twice a year at the most. The maintenance is easy and it's just a really important process to start taking care of yourself young. Are there any long-term negative effects of filler? We've heard lots of people and there's TikToks and YouTubes, et cetera, where you'll hear these stories about filler migration or, you know, filler that moves around or these just, it looks worse after they've done filler. So what are some of the most common negative side effects when it comes to fillers? Well, really, I think overfilling is the worst thing that can happen. And that is what people see on TV when they see mm -hmm. the Academy Awards and people have big apple cheeks and it just doesn't look very Hollywood. Yeah. But that's the use of too much filler, too frequent and just, you know, overutilization problem and filler migration happens when also we put too much filler in a location it starts to bleed outside the borders the anatomic borders of that location like lip filler starts to look very ducky or looks almost like a filler mustache yeah. so those are some common problems overfilling migration of filler lumps and nodules from incorrect injection technique and virtually everything stems from incorrect injection technique when you I mean, say it has a lot to do with the injector is that person who's overfilled, they're going back to their injector. I assume that you have conversations with your, and it's tricky if, if you're talking to a client who they have an aesthetic in mind and it's 
their opinion. It's what they find attractive. And if you or feel like from your professional opinion, like this is going to look really like a puffy blowfish. How do you have that conversation with them and discourage them from doing more? I mean, it's a real fine line. And I'm a person who's all about self-expression. And I want you to achieve that avatar in your head, that ideal impression of beauty that you have. So like, I would never tell Dolly Parton, don't get more boobs. Your boobs are too big for your little <laughs> tiny frame because that makes Dolly Dolly, right? True. So same thing with big lips. I When I see lips that are like slightly too big and it doesn't match the person's vibe, like they come in like dressed like a normal girl, but they want huge lips. I'll just remind them that don't forget if we do too much, when you walk in a room, people are going to look at your lips and not your eyes when you're talking to them. Yeah. Party. And number yeah. two, like you don't want to give off porn star vibes. Or maybe you do. Maybe you are a porn star. Maybe that's your aesthetic. <laughs> but <laughs> More alarm bells going off in the background. So perfect. I have a doctor client, a gorgeous doctor, and she's like, I need fangirl lips. <laughs> I need fan only. Girl. Fan, um, no, sorry. I need only fans lips. Oh, so I was yeah. like, oh, my God, that's hysterical. But she's the most conservative, but she wants only fans lips. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, Sierra and I came up to see you before the wedding, right, for just a little touch up and you added a little bit of lip filler to one side of my lip to really kind of balance it out and just, you know, not to look done or different. And Sierra wanted a little bit of lip filler. And you said to her, we just want to do a touch, just yeah. a touch because it's your wedding day and you don't want anyone to notice anything different about you. It needs to be very, very subtle. And I thought that was great advice, great motherly yeah. advice. Yeah, sometimes you have to bring in the reins because people have been scrolling obsessively and screenshotting every influencer who has now three syringes. Every normal influencer right now who has natural lips has two to three syringes. Really? Yes, our psyches have just changed so that so much visual blasting of large lips has made us feel that normal is two to three syringes. So let's talk about pricing. What does a syringe of lip filler typically run? Yeah, in LA, like around probably seven fifty to a thousand for a syringe is reasonable in LA, and it can be. You can find it much cheaper. Of course, you'll find four hundred dollar lip filler in LA, and then you can find it even higher. Like on Rodeo Drive, it's going to be twenty five hundred for a lip filler. So, but the a normal place that's doing good work should be roughly eight hundred to a thousand dollars for a really nice lip result. Someone who spent time training has the facilities that are clean and sterilized and buys American-made FDA-approved product. We're going to do a whole deep dive into lip fillers because I think it's one of those things that can really change your look. There's so many nuances and, sp- and questions and you know about migration and dissolving it and placement and, and just all the things. So we're going to do a deep dive into that. So if you're interested in learning you know specifically about lip fillers, stay tuned. We'll give you more information about that. But let's talk about Botox for a second. Botox is something that I feel like is so normalized now, like everyone is doing Botox and it just, to me even, I'm like, it's just not like, it's surprising to me when people are like, I'm thinking about Botox. I just don't know. I'm so afraid. Is there any research to show that there are long-term systematic effects or that it could affect our neurology? Any long-term effects that you think probably people should be aware of? No. And in fact, to the contrary, Botox has been around 20 years now, and it was first used in neonatal children for crooked eye problems. And so we've used it for 20 years. 100 million patients have used Botox with very little side effects. 100 million. Isn't that crazy? 
And so it's one of our most popular treatments. Results are 98% effective. Patients rarely will get a side effect like a drooping eyelid. And that's almost always from incorrect injection technique or anatomy challenges. And so it's super safe. There's no long-term neurologic problems. Sometimes people can get resistance to Botox if you've been doing it for ages and ages and you always use the same brand. There are little proteins in the bottle that your body can get sensitized to. It's almost like a vaccination of every time you get your Botox, you're vaccinated with that protein. So we might switch to a brand that's more ultra purified that has different complexing proteins in it. And there are in the United States, four different FDA approved brands right now. What are the top three in your mind? Brand name Botox, Zeoman, which is the ultra purified one, Disport, which is also, they've all three been around for almost 20 years. And then Juvo, which is the newest one. Is there big differences between them? Or are they just brand names? Just brand name differences. These are technically the exact same molecule folded in slightly different matter with slightly different proteins in each bottle. So for me, I like the one that's ultra purified. I don't need any extra junk in the bottle. But they all work the same. They're Pepsi and Coke. Your body, your body will tell you which one does best for you, and you'll choose your favorite. I recommend people when you're young probably start with the most purified version and mm. you know, maybe periodically switching. I've done that in my life as trying one for a few months or a year and then switching to another and then back and forth just so that you don't develop any kind of resistance to it or get used to it. Because there can be a little dose creep where sometimes you start at a certain dose and then each year you kind of need a little more, a little more, a okay. little more. That's, okay. That happens. That makes sense. For someone who's just getting started with injections, injectables, do you think it's always like the first place to start is with Botox or might it be with filler? You know what? These days, lip filler is the thing that brings in people into the office because it's so popular on social media. So I would say all the 20 to 30s are coming in for lip filler and maybe the 35 to 55 are coming in for first time for Botox. But it's either lip filler or Botox. It's the most common thing right now. For a woman over 40, what is your personal recommendation or do you find like most women over 40, if I do a little bit of injecting here, they're going to get a more youthful appearance? A hundred percent. I think 70 to 80 percent of the beauty comes from the mid face and the cheeks. So if I was face and cheeks, okay. Almost without fail, everyone in their 30s to 40s loses volume in the apple of the cheeks. The apple starts to fall, pull down. You feel a little droopy, jowly. You might even feel your eye getting weighted. So putting the cheek back where it belongs gives so much beauty back to the face. So that's my number one. Maybe my number one, if you're chicken and you're scared of filler, I would start a little dose of Botox, a little baby Botox around the forehead and crow's feet because you automatically feel refreshed and awake and pretty. And then some cheek filler. Those would be my two favorite recommendations for starters. Now, what about at the temples? That's an amazing place. And temple filler, temples are really where the cheeks begin up high and they lift the entire face. You get an open, wide, pretty eye, kind of like a Bella Hadid look. It's such a great place to put volume, but it's hidden behind the hair and the amount of cleaning you have to do to explain to a new person who's not into fillers. It's like, they don't quite get it. So I think starting with cheeks is important. And when I say cheeks, also everybody freaks out because they think of Big, huge filler cheeks, like the puffy cheeks that they see in nightclubs and things. And right. that's not what I mean. I mean, lateral cheekbone contour, which pulls weight back. And that actually almost lifts the nasal labial fold, like, and that'll improve that shadowing of the nasal fold. Too. At what stage would you say, okay, we're doing filler 
every couple of years, we're looking at the cost, we're looking at, you know, the potential for migration, you might want to consider doing some type of a small implant or even a facelift. I think when your neck starts to be a problem and the jowls feel heavy around the lower face, mm. very difficult problem to solve with filler. Because when you're deleting uh, every single photo taken of you from a profile. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you start to see excess folds of skin in the lower face and no matter what you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then, then you need to consider a facelift. If you can pinch a centimeter of excess skin, then imagine that's way too much volume to have to put fillers into to tighten. Yeah. You really need to trim and sew it up with a mini oh. lift or a full facelift neck lift. So I really think look at your neck and look at your jowls. And if your neck really bothers you and your jowling is excessive, you should just go forward with the surgical idea. Because this is how we end up with filler face where there's too much doughy, puffy overuse of filler as people think that filler can substitute for facelift and it can't. And what a precarious position for you to be in when there's somebody sitting in your chair, they've asked you for filler and you're thinking to yourself, they could really use a facelift. I mean, it might be a better idea for them. How do you navigate the, you know, very personal experience that somebody has when another person is telling them you need to have surgery like because I've heard people make these TikToks and they're like I went to see this plastic surgeon for lip filler and she told me I needed this 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 and this I'm like what a tough place to be because you would want someone who's going to be honest with you do you ask them for permission or do you wait for them to ask questions I always ask for permission because I've done that in the past as a younger doctor when I would come in and say you need this 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 and this people feel like insulted like you've attacked and taken down their face so I'll yeah. always ask, would you like me to give you a beauty plan? Because we can oh, look at okay. your upper, mid, and lower face and talk about things we can do. And then I'll also ask, are, would you consider surgery? Or are we thinking of something with no downtime, non-surgical? And then I'll also kind of ask, like, budget-wise, are you in a position where you want to spend several $2,000? Or are we thinking more like twenty to 30000 and you have time for recovery because if you have no downtime it's fillers and if you have time for two weeks off then you're thinking surgical let's talk about pricing for the lower facelift which seems like everyone's doing now i assume that there's a couple of different types if i'm not mistaken price range for the lower facelift definitely so for a mini lift which is a weird terminology because sometimes people use it incorrectly but i consider a mini lift to be opening just in the lower face and we're not involving the neck at all and that's something you might do if you're in the 45 to 55 year old range and you don't have neck laxity but you feel slightly jolly so that kind of thing can range anywhere from like a you know conservatively in la it's higher but maybe 12 to twenty thousand dollars And then if you're doing a facelift with a neck lift, this is where we run into a lot longer OR time. And often people are adding their eyelids and other things at the same time. So that might be six to eight hours of surgery. Are they they moving muscles around and things? Yeah, sometimes we're doing a deep plane lift where we're pulling up the muscles, repositioning fat, doing fat transfer, and then skin tightening as well. And so something like that definitely takes more time and can range anywhere from you know, twenty-five to fifty-five to eighty thousand dollars. Wow! So quite extensive, and, and then it just depends on where you go and what part of town, who's the surgeon. 
<laughs> and and there are ways to finance all those things. There are, but I would say reasonable person can expect for a mini lift around 15,000 to 20. And then for a major facelift, we're talking more like 30, 20 to 30. Okay. And yeah. when you say a neck lift, where do they tuck the skin in? Like in the back of your hairline or? Yeah. And when we're adding neck lift, the incision curves around the front of the ear up into the back of the hairline and it's hidden. And then facelift plus neck lift, definitely we're looking more like the forty to 60,000 range because that is a lot of work. And typically I would include the temporal region as well. So it's the oh. full face up high in the temples, even the forehead or brow and mid face, lower face, and even including eyelids. That sounds like a lot. It just does. You know what I mean? Like I feel like, gosh, I would really wake up and look totally different. You know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> But let me ask this. Is it easier to make a very subtle change by thinking about these things earlier as opposed to like our moms who are like, well, when I'm 65, I'll have a facelift. Or you see these older actresses that like suddenly they reappear and they look 25 years younger versus we won't name names or maybe we will, but certain celebrities now who are you're like, they just haven't aged. And I have to wonder, are they just doing like little minor procedures I think the celebrities are routinely doing Botox and fillers all through their 40s. I think mm-hmm. very often they'll start doing threads, which gives a little minor degree of lifting, especially in the brow and the lower face. And they start that around 40, 45. And then mini lift just with facial tightening only is very common, like 45 to 50, like the J-Lo's of the world repeat. <laughs> I'll say allegedly the J-Lo's <laughs> yes. have had uh, mini lifts and things like that. And then, yeah, when you get to be 55, 60, you do need to address jowling. And unless you're someone who's been doing collagen stimulation, fillers, peels, and lasers, and regular routine maintenance, you are going to need a facelift at some point if you don't want to have jowling. And you don't need to have a facelift. You can age naturally. You just be yeah, gorgeous, sure. you know. But if the jowls bother you, that 55 range is about the right time between 55 to 65 to think of having your first procedure. And I always tell patients, like, you're going to get two chances for facelift in your life. You can only have two good facelifts. Anyone who does a third ends up being a little freaky. No matter how good your surgeon, there's only so much face repositioning that can happen before you look a little different. So I think you have two good options. One is right in that 55 to 65 range. And then the next time around, hopefully that'll last you a good 20 years. And then you can do another if you need to around 75. And then after that, your health issues take over and you want to be conservative, right? Yeah. Going back to the neck, I see you on your page. And by the way, we'll link to Dr. K, Beauty by Dr. K, the Instagram, her website, et cetera, as well as some of the products I use. Like, I don't even know if we'll have time to get into that, but like my skincare routine is all your stuff. And it's amazing. But let's talk about the neck for a second, because I, I saw on your Instagram, a lot of people coming in to do those creases that they get in your neck. And I think they call that tech neck, you know, because our heads are in this downward position looking at our phones. And when you get these deep creases through your neck, and I see you're treating those on your Instagram feed. Tell us, how are you treating those? Tech necks. Yes, it's happening at such a young age. I'm treating like 25, 35 year olds with that because we are always on our laptops and phones. And I use a filler. So if you're looking at the horizontal kind of rings, usually people have two, maybe three. 
neck uh-huh. rings. That'll be a filler, like a temporary gel filler that lasts up to a year and it immediately rehydrates that line. When you leave here, you shouldn't be bending and looking down at your phone for the first one week while the gel kind of solidifies. That'd be key. And then there was one other treatment for necks if you have creping and textural change. And I kind of mentioned like when you have a neck that starts to look like grandma's skin right there. Yeah. That's called a collagen stimulation treatment. We inject with diluted calcium hydroxyapatite or Sculptra. And that builds new collagen so that the tissue is not so crepey and wrinkly. So that, those are both really nice neck treatments that are non-surgical. What is that procedure called? Or is that just... I call it a neck wash. My terminology okay. for it is neck wash. It treats 100 square centimeters of skin. We do that twice, so like over six weeks apart. And who's a good candidate for Kybella? How does Kybella work? Kybella is fun. That's our fat melting shot. It's permanent fat destruction, and it's for people who don't want to have lipo. And it's typically recommended for that little pinch under the double chin area. It takes about three vials. If you can pinch one inch, three vials, two inches, six vials, three inches, like on the sides, then Mm -hmm. about nine to 12 vials. And it does swell a ton. So that's probably the biggest disadvantage is you feel a little bullfroggy for the first week to 10 days. And I've done it and I've loved it. I like I did it over Christmas one year and I went to all the parties, but I just didn't want to be any pictures. So it's doable. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And it just tightens up that one spot where you just can't lose the little chub. Okay. Hey, real quick. So I know on The Shalene Show, we talk about life stuff, but I'm always encouraging you to have your own thing, to build that side hustle, to figure out ways you can make extra money online. And maybe you felt like, I just don't know how to do this by myself. I want the motivation and excitement of having people around me that I can bounce ideas off of. I want that motivation of being at a live event. Well, you're in luck. October 14th through the 16th, I want to invite you to come to Southern California and be a part of the Marketing Impact Academy live event. You don't have to be an MIA member. This is open to the public. You don't have to have any experience in business, but you do have to have a desire and you need to be a good note taker because we're gonna spell it all out for you. I'm gonna have the best experts at every area of social media that you can imagine. And every speaker comes with, I mean, they don't come on my stage unless they come with an action plan that they're gonna give the audience so that when you leave, you're not like, okay, super motivated, but I don't know what to do. So if that's something you've been dreaming about doing and just coming to Southern California and being around that energy, meeting me live in person, my son and the other experts that I know you have heard if you listen to the Shalene show, the people who we work with, people just like you who you know, have been listening to these shows for so many years and eventually they took the plunge, they started their business and now they're gonna share with you how they did it. Give yourself permission. Give yourself permission to dream. Give yourself permission to do something different. Know it's been on your bucket list to come to Southern California. I cannot wait to see you there. The link is in the show notes, but you can also go to shaleen.com forward slash MIA live. Shaleen.com forward slash MIA live. And if you want to be invited to the incredible dance party that we're throwing on Saturday night just for our VIPs, be sure to look at the VIP registration package. It is next level. Did I say the dates? Okay, October 14th through the 16th, Southern California, Orange County. We're right down the street from Disneyland. You can make a whole family vacation of it, or you can just get away and enjoy yourself and treat yourself to something fun and exciting that has the potential to change your life. Okay, back to the show. 
Now, for those people who are you know dealing with their jowls and they're they're not yet ready or maybe they can't afford to do a facelift yet, is there any type of injection procedure that pulls the face back there? Yes. Okay. Great question. Because I sometimes put Kybella right in the jowl fat pad too. Oh. That can te- might melt this fat pad. Because I'll recommend lifting your cheek to pull things up. We'll recommend jawline tightening to pull things back. But some people still have that little wedge of fullness that needs to melt the gel fat. And that's the Kybella two sessions. It kills the fat from permanently. It's quite effective. And and how bad is the bruising? That's not too bad. I mean, anytime you do any kind of injectable with me, you'd be prepared to be, have a bruise that could last seven to 10 days and have mm-hmm. to wake up. So, you know. Well, listen, I don't want to give people unrealistic expectations, but you're the only injector I've ever gone to where I, I don't, like I'll have a tiny little bruise that I can cover up with concealer. Whereas in the past where I'd done injections, I was like, I have to have a full week off from being on camera, not like off from work, but like yeah. from going on camera or like going out to dinner because I would just be like so bruised. Why yeah. is it some injectors end up with very bruised patients and some don't? Is it your technique? Is it the needle? I think it's a combination of just knowing anatomy because you want to avoid veins and arteries. And if you are away from those entry points, you won't hit them ideally. And I also think it's the light touch. Like you have to have a delicate light touch. And you can just tell that sometimes when people massage you or do a facial on you, like some people have good hands and some people are a little like pinchy. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And there's nothing worse than going to get a pedicure and the person's just like barely touching your legs. I'm like, oh, please, please, I need deeper. Yes. Whatever it costs. Let's talk about spider veins and varicose veins. You know, as we age, the legs, especially for white women, your skin just tends to look more translucent. Even if you don't have varicose veins, it just feels like your legs become more spidery. What is your recommendation for that? Well, number one is to wear those horrible stockings, which I have on right now. Really? <laughs> yes. They do all help. Long. Oh my God. You need them. If you're on your feet all day, those are like compression hose that have 20 to 30 millimeters of mercury of pressure that keeps the veins compressed and flat. Cause otherwise the veins will pool and dilate. So that really helps. And I used to have real achy legs at the end of every day, but this is mm. kind of a game changer. You can just Amazon those there. Okay. Easy, easy. And that's prevention too. But once you already have the varicose veins, we'll do sclerotherapy. So injections of an agent that sclerosis or closes off the vein. And then that usually blocks those veins. They kind of just close down, clot off, and metabolize away. It sounds so, like to me, I'm like, wait, how does the body know what to do when a road's closed? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right? Yeah, <laughs> how does it work? The, the downside of closing off one tributary of a river is another branch can open. So immediately after we inject your leg veins, we're going to want you to put these compression hose on mm. for a couple weeks to generate flow to the major veins. We don't mind if okay. veins open up the highways, but we don't want the side streets. Okay, that makes sense. And yeah. is that painful? And let's talk cost. No, that's not painful. That's pretty reasonable. It's like around, maybe it takes about 30 minute treatment. It costs about 300. You can use a laser. We can also use an injection therapy that it can bruise. You can get sometimes some pigmentation in the area of bruising, but overall it's a great treatment. And I would recommend doing it early. Like don't wait till you have a whole spider web of veins. Mm, mm. The first few branches is a great time to start on that. Is that something you have to maintain? And if you stop, do the veins all come back? 
And once they're gone, then they're closed off, then they're done. But if they start to come back, you'll attack them again. And then if you're genetically prone to that, you know, you may be doing this throughout your life, just like a maintenance thing. But it's pretty effective and you treat one area and you can move on to another area and you can kind of get through both legs that way. Are there any treatments for sagging skin around the inner thighs and knee areas? Well, we do definitely some radiofrequency with microneedling, which can shrink and tighten the skin everywhere, but it does take four to six sessions. That is really good. And also the use of collagen stimulators. Those are products that when you inject them, like Sculptra or diluted radius, those are injected. They grow brand new collagen, which just gives the strength and backing to the skin. Kind of like when you put backing on a dress, it hangs better, right? So it gives that underground skeletal framework back to the skin. So it's not like just grapey and, you know, so I love that idea of rebuilding skin foundation. Those are the main things we can do. But, you know, if there's too much laxity, again, it's trim and tighten with surgical. Mm. Yeah, that's a lot. What about or why would we use our own fat as a fat transfer for filler versus one of the other commonly used products, which is better? That's a great question. I get that all the time because people are like, well, filler only lasts a year. Why don't I put my fat there and it'll last forever? So you can do fat transfer if, number one, you have enough fat. So some of our Southern California models don't have any body fat. It becomes difficult. Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) Do we even have to like them? No, those bitches. Can can I donate to these bitches? (laughs) We can donate, yes. The second thing is you have to be willing to undergo lipo to transfer harvest the fat and transfer it. Thirdly, we want the fat to take up roots. We can take the fat, pulverize it into a fine paste and inject it wherever we'd like it to grow. But we're basically seeding the garden and we don't know which seeds will take root. And so fat can be very precarious because if depending on how you harvest it, if you're delicate and atraumatic and depending on the patient's blood supply, if it's going to provide nutrition and food and flow, And that all determines if the fat grows and if it grows, one problem can be the fat may not grow uniformly. So you can have patchy growth like you seeded the lawn and some of the seeds took and you got grass in some areas and no grass in other areas. That can be a problem in the face because there's not a a lot of room for contour irregularities. So fat can take several sessions to get the contouring just right. And that's the difference with filler. Filler is consistent, reliable. What you see is what you get. I know yeah. when I place it, it's staying, and it's going to stay exactly how I curve it and place it. And there's a little difference. Eat too much, your fat gets fatter. You get too skinny, your fat can either resolve a little, or you can be skinny and your fat can stay bulgy in a weird wow. way. So wow. Wow. I, I also hear a lot about fat necrosis. and I, Is it more likely to see necrosis from a fat transfer versus using a filler? That happens mainly from when we use filler because the blood flow can be... If it's injected incorrectly, you can lose blood supply to an area and you can get fat or skin necrosis. Yeah. And okay. with um, fat itself, once it takes, if it dies and it dies, it just gets reabsorbed. But if it takes root, then it's good. You said you have to do lipo in order to get the fat out to put the fat someplace else. But if we're talking about just like a microscopic amount that you're putting under your eye, is that like a major lipo suction procedure or can they like take it out microscopically? Like I'm picturing. With yeah, you can do, it's kind of just small. It's, it will be like a micro cannula or even looks like a needle and syringe and it can be right in your abdomen through a tiny ah. vision, but we still call it lipo. Okay. And, yeah. and so what about the, you know, people who are getting 
fillers or fat transfers under their eyes. And I've seen people who, when they do this, like the skin there is so thin yes. that it feels like you can almost like see like a, you know how some people who are like in their 80s, they get that like big bag right there, that big bulge. <laughs> so why are some people looking worse when they do that procedure? Is, is Were they the wrong candidate for it? Yeah, so with filler, it's often incorrect placement of the filler. We want that filler to be layered under the orbital musculature, and that way it stays, like, and it hydrates and it makes things look smooth, but it's placed under a plane where it's not going to bulge out weirdly. So sometimes inexperienced injectors will inject just under the skin. They won't even be under the muscle, and then you can right away see the bulges and the problems. We have to dissolve it. It looks like a blue hue. Yeah. Um, so if you're someone who's had under eye filler and it's blue and bulgy, you're going to come see me so I can dissolve it and do it right for you. Do you do uh, a lot of dissolving? Oh my gosh. Every day we are seeing one or two patients from outside the office that come in that need help. And it's because right now this is so popular to get filler and stuff done, but people don't always have the credentials. Whew. So here's a really good question. And like I said, we're going to talk in more in depth about lips, but this one almost feels like it's more about the lower part of the face for those people who maybe they're not a smoker, but they have all the smokers wrinkles around their lips and their lower jaw. Mm-hmm. Is, what can be done for that? Cause it feels like that's like not just the lips. It's like everything around it. It's like little kitty whiskers everywhere. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's a difficult problem. It's sun damage that causes that. And then just loss of elasticity of the skin. It's like when you leave a newspaper in the driveway, it gets aged and cracked and yellow. So the skin actually goes through that process. I like to use the collagen stimulators, which would be like Sculptra and products that grow new collagen to build that foundation back in the skin and skin smoothening products like the hyper diluted radius is great. And so those are things that you can inject. And then superficially, we do microneedling. We want to change the texture and the surface of the skin. So microneedle and laser and chemical peels are the way to change the surface of that irregularity. about surgery? Surgery there can tighten if you have a lot of laxity. You can pull up the loose skin and tighten. It may not take away all of the whiskering or all of the kind of indented lines, the etched lines. And sometimes filler is better for that or laser actually is the best for that. Combination in some cases, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. That's a difficult problem. And we, when we get aged around the mouth, it just genuinely looks like it's elderly. So we want to treat that early at the earliest signs of it. What about this trend that, you know, a lot of, again, 20, 30 something influencers seem to be jumping on board with changing the shape of their eyes. Like I keep hearing like, oh, now it's the almond eye. No, now it's the fox eye. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? And are they literally these young girls doing surgeries to change the shape of their eye? You're literally crazy. Literally. You just have to understand that your face is not a trend and you have to maintain classic beauty. And this is me inflicting my opinion, but That's my opinion is you need to stay classically beautiful. And I don't mind if we do a little bit of a cat eye or a little bit of a foxy eye. When I'm doing a blepharoplasty or upper eyelid surgery, I can tilt the incision just slightly upwards and outwards. But I am not a person who's going to put in threads or drastically york up the sides Mm. of your eyebrows and make it look aggressively different because it's not my view. That's not beauty. And I can Mm -hmm. accentuate your beauty with a little of a cat eye feature, a little bit of this or that. But I want you to look good, not just today, but 20 years from now to not regret this decision. Because I've seen the other end of that, which people come in 20, 30 years later. And even if it's just a bad body tattoo, they're just so regretful. But imagine someone who got a butt implant or 
poop implants that were way too much for them. And now they're yes. 65, 70 and it's just not uh, anatomically. It doesn't look right. It's yeah. an embarrassment for them. It becomes a self-confidence problem in the opposite way. It's crazy how these things really can become trends, right? Like I think about how I'm happy to see that it feels like anyways, girls in their 20s don't care about breast size. Like they're not doing implants and they're very, you know, it seems like they're more okay with having their natural breasts. And, you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, like I remember when I moved to Southern California and I auditioned to teach at a a fitness club, right? And all the fitness instructors, I looked around and I, I asked a girl next to me, I go, do you have to get breast implants? Like, is it a requirement? Because like every girl had breast implants. Yes. And I just felt like I look so, these these are natural. Will I be able to teach here? Like, oh my God. Yeah. Literally. That's literally what our girls are going through right now when they go to nightclubs and they're out at parties and things. If they don't have the super huge lips and the contoured features and like, it's just a lot of work. I mean, Trying God to bless those butt. girls that do all that, but but I just think it's a lot for younger girls to have to think their faces need to look that way to be socially beautiful. What about threads? You mentioned them a moment ago, and I haven't heard great things about threads. But yeah, I do, I do threads, and threads have been around for 20 years, more than 20 years, probably 50 years. And I, as a surgeon, I do threads that are placed surgically with a knot anchoring them someplace so they don't budge like a permanent suture a thread is basically a suture so if you lay a suture down with no anchor points how much sense does that make a little is that what's happening where we're seeing poor results yes these sutures have little tiny etchings in them they're laser cut so that they do have little spikes along the edges that anchor and pull it back on the skin. Kind of like little hooks along the thread? Little hooks along the thread. Okay. So that's how they're anchoring them. But you can imagine the, the force that you use when you sleep on your face. Like I wake up in the morning and my cheek is flat. <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's like, like the head, is, the head is as heavy as a bowling ball. So <laughs> yeah. if you're going to put all that force on these little teeny tiny microscopic hooks on a piece of fishing wire, how long is that going to last? Mm. So logically speaking, like, yeah, they give you some nice traction. They'll pull back two, three millimeters at the most they do look good like when you're at the point where you have good volume with filler and you've done appropriate facial volumization and you want a little more traction back on things it's like a little bit of velcro to pull things back so i like them but i don't advertise it because it's a recipe for dissatisfaction oh you're gonna spend like two thousand three thousand dollars for an eight month result it's not bad some people want that eight months of looking hot and good and, um, yeah. and then the one nice thing is they do stimulate collagen production everywhere you put them. But for me, I think I'm a surgeon. I'd rather do surgery if you have laxity. For sure. Let's get it over with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nose jobs. Your techniques are like, if you guys have not seen them, it's insane. So you do, and I'm not sure what it's called. The Tinkerbell but, Tip Lift. It's called the Tinkerbell Tip Lift. But I'm talking about when women come to you and men who have this like really deep indentation between their eyes and then the nose kind of bumps out. Yes, a um, big so, hump. Yeah, the big hump. And then they come to you and you give them like a liquid nose job. Explain wh- what's going on there. That is so much fun. And it's one of my most popular procedures. That's the use of filler the hyaluronic gel fillers to give you an instant rhinoplasty. It takes about, you know, an hour in total. We numb you for 30 minutes and then the procedure itself is 15 minutes, no downtime. And I can reshape the nose. So a hump that you've always hated, a crooked area, if you've had a drooping tip. And I call it the Tinkerbell tip lift because I'm able to create a very sharp upturn, very elegant and cute tip to the nose. So it makes the nose more 
Aqualine and Streamline and, and people just like tear up and are yeah. so joyful. It's just a fun procedure to do. It's one of my favorites, but you have to see a very good practitioner because it also can are rare risks, like rare risk of blindness or stroke or loss of vision with any of these injections, but particularly the nose is an area where so many important blood vessels come together. We have to be so I mean, if you're, if you're considering the expense, the downtime and the, the pain of going to get a nose job, please consider <laughs> doing your research and thinking about finding the best practitioner to do this because I too have heard just nightmare stories about complications, but your before and afters are like, I'm like, oh my God. So some of these people, I think they must say to themselves, like, why didn't I do this 10 years ago? Exactly. And it's fun. The nice thing is like, you can see that it's a difference immediately. Immediate. You go home with a new nose and it's a great way to just dip your foot in the water if you want to try whatever a rhinoplasty would look like on you. This one's going to last about 12 to 18 months and cost-wise is around 2500 or so. And it's just a real crowd pleaser. Everybody wow. loves it. good with a very profile. You know, their profile looks amazing. Just is it possible to sculpt the nose to make <clears throat> it look like if your nose was just a little bit broader from the front? Yeah. Are you able to add filler to make the nose look more narrow? Yes, and this happens to us as women when we age, we get broader, flatter, and drooping of the tip happens just from the cartilage grows and starts to droop like every crazy thing. So I can make the nose look slimmer and more streamlined and thinner and less bulbous. Sometimes people have a wider bulbous tip. We can bring the tip sharper and looks really nice. So with the lip, you've got like an area on borders where you're filling. And because you're so good at this, you've done so many years and years and years. I mean, you, you are the expert that other people come to to learn proper technique when it comes to injections. I mean, nobody's better at lips than you. Nobody, period, end of uh, subject. Thank you. You're so sweet. No, that's yeah. true. That is true. <laughs> but so I understand like why it's probably less likely to see migration in the lips because there's like, there's an area that you're filling. But like when you're putting in an area, like let's say on the, the top of your nose, what's that called? The, yeah. Oh, the dorsum, the bridge on the bridge. Yeah, the bridge of your nose. There's, there's like nothing to hold it in. So how, how does that filler nose just stay like right there? So that's all about the depth and plane of the injection. And when I'm injecting, I'm injecting deep on the periosteum, which is the bony cover. There's like a thin membrane where the filler needs to be placed. So it's really super precise process. It looks so easy on an Instagram video. That's what scares me is that people that our injectors are like, oh, I'm going to just try that. I watched that video. It's just, mm. I'll watch YouTube and I'll go do it. But you can get filler migration in your nose. And I've seen it. I've had to treat it where people come in and they have a weird, broad, like kind of pro-magnon look right there. Or they've had like way too much in their tip and it made a small nose look fatter. Because, you know, we're adding gel. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it would get bigger, but it's a visual illusion to make it look skinnier and better. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the upside. I think the upside of injections, like people feel like, oh no, what if it looks horrible? But there's so many ways that these things can be dissolved. That, yeah, that's right. These fillers can be dissolved. And if you were to say, well, I loved my liquid rhino and now I want to get a regular surgical rhino, we dissolve the gel and ah. then you have surgery the very next week. Well, the so. last thing I want to ask you before I let you go is for the gals who are listening who are just not great about their skincare routine. They don't want to do eight steps or five steps or however many steps. If you had to pick just one product for uh -huh. a woman, let's say who's over 40, she's going like the next five years is the only thing that she could use from your line of products. What would it be? 
Wow, that's a great question. Okay, well, it's going to have to be my transformed stem cell growth factor because that is chock full of ingredients. Got 105 human derived peptides and growth factors that just make your skin behave so youthfully. And it lightens and brightens. It's great for pore size. It grows collagen and it's kind of just a great moisturizer too. So, how does that help pore size? Because it the collagen more collagen production, so it tightens around the pores better. And it just kind of smoothens the quality of the skin. You'll see even small scars fill in a little bit. It's a great product. Love that. And if I had to pick a number two, it would be my Diamond Line Refine, which is a retinol product. It's Retin-A. Retin-A is vitamin A cream. It's so important for collagen production. Does that also lighten the skin? It can because it exfoliates. It it makes skin turn over fast, so browner, deader-looking skin comes up and gets off of you. When we have serums and lotions and, you know, retinols and vitamin Cs, and what order should we be putting those things in? At a certain point, is it just like so much on my face? Like, should I, yeah, should I be pausing in between? And and do you have an order that you recommend people put products on their face? It's always going to be the thinnest and lightest first. And the well, most, that's easy to remember. Yeah, like the serums are thin and light. They absorb quickly. And then I'll put those on first. And your most active products also should go on first. So for what example, would that be? So like if I'm using a bleaching pad, I'll wipe that on all over. Once it soaks in, then maybe I'll add my serums, the vitamin C and hyaluronic serum. And then I'll finish off with moisturizer and thicker kind of lipid or oil-based type of creams to seal things in. And lastly would be sunscreen. Okay. On top of that makeup. I know that your eye gel is amazing too. Holy cow. What's in that? It's the Illuminize eye gel. It's really good. That also actually is one of the only eye creams to have Retin-A and Retinol in it. And it has a ton of green tea. I'm very into green tea polyphenols. Green tea is one of the most potent antioxidants out there. And that can help reverse sun damage and also help as a growth factor for new skin to grow and stay renewed. You know, if I'll put a link to everything in our show notes too. And I know I said that was our last question, but is it okay if I lied? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Because so many women struggle with hair loss oh, yes. and thinning hair as we age, especially. I know you have a, a serum that you recommend. Is there any kind of a treatment for that person who's like, I want something faster. Like this is killing me, you know, being, I think hair is such a part of our femininity and it can really feel like a loss of identity when we lose our hair. Mm-hmm. Are there any treatments that you recommend? Definitely. And if you're starting to see hair thinning and hair fall, you have to do something right away. You got to put a towel on the floor, do your, brush your hair and count how many hairs fall. Look at oh. the follicles on the end. More than 100 hairs per you day. You said look for what? What are we looking for? A little white bulb at the end of the hairs because that means the shaft and the root are all falling out as one piece. So, so versus breakage from over right. your hair. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So kind of do that hair count. More than 100 hairs is where we start to worry that like, okay, there's a real problem. And then secondly, get blood work done with your doctor because often it can be anemia, low thyroid, or need for vitamin replacements. And that's important to treat your health. Make sure you don't have an autoimmune issue. And then thirdly, we do start on a treatment right away. If you can't come in to see me, get some over-the-counter Rogaine or Minoxidil for women. And um, start using once a week a dandruff shampoo like a Salsam Blue or Head & Shoulders. Did you know that fungus on the scalp is one of the reasons that hair can start thinning too? And that does live on the scalp surface. So even if you don't have dandruff, it's part of sort of the flora of the scalp. But a few studies have shown that at least once a week use of anti-dandruff shampoos can help. 
Number four would be like start on a boosting product that will grow more hair follicles back. It's difficult to do, but some products like my serum has growth factors that improve hair production. And really important is getting rid of testosterone that binds on the surface of the scalp. So testosterone turns into DHT. That's a product that binds to the oils in the hair and causes miniaturization and thinning of the follicles. So you start to see more scalp because your hairs are thinner. And then it causes that frontal baldness or thinning right here, androgenic alopecia. Too much androgens or the male testosterones are on the, on the women's so, scalp. So for those of you who are listening, she's pointing right now to like the middle, like where your middle part would be in the middle of your forehead. Yeah, we're starting to see scalp in the middle there. So you want to use... But you said you want to get rid of testosterone there. What does that mean? Uh Well, your body's naturally making that testosterone. And so we're going to use shampoos that wash that away from the roots. And there are many herbal components to that. I have no idea. This is even a thing. Yeah, and that's part of my hair loss kit. So there's shampoo, conditioner, and serum. And we often use herbal remedies too. And that's part of my product, like rosemary and certain herbs and things that are known throughout the ages to help get rid of DHT on the scalp. So it's not just like cosmeceuticals. There's also like herbal benefits, herbal things that can help grow hair strong. And what about injections into the hairline? So that'll be the next step. So these things we talked about, you do at home. Then you okay. come to see me and we can do platelet-rich plasma injections. We draw your blood, we spin it down, we harvest your platelet-derived stem cell growth factors and that is injected into the scalp. And we also do red light therapy. If you've heard it, there are red yeah. light foams, red light caps. I've seen one even at Costco. There's a great one called Revion. There's one called BioLite. These products stimulate the infrared light therapy, makes more hair grow, more circulation, just better for you. So easy to use too. You just throw it on while you're doing your emails. What does that type of procedure cost with the in- injections? Injections. The injections are usually about $750 per session. We do three for 1500. I'm just, I'm not about getting money out of people. I want people to come in and be like part of our, our tribe, you know, sure. right. yeah. like come in yeah. and hear yourself, spend time with me. So one session every six weeks, Okay. on your scalp, we draw your blood, we do the injections. Often people do the same treatment for their face. So they'll microneedle their face and we'll tattoo in the stem cell growth factor. It's so good for skin. We'll microneedle the hair roots and follicles and then actually put deeper injections. So by the time you leave, you feel a little bit like a pincushion, but boy, is it good for you. Shoof. And get 20 to 30% more hair growth unless uh, immediately the hair fall stops, but the hair regrowth can take, you know, four to six sessions. So you have to be patient. You're fertilizing the garden, waiting for it to grow. The hair growth cycle takes four months. So good. You know, all of this is, it's exciting you can get caught up in, in wanting to do all of the things. I think it's important for everybody to recognize, like, you know, you don't have to do any of these things. Is it bothering you? Are you thinking about it constantly? Every time you look in the mirror, whatever that is, then you shouldn't have any guilt or shame in the fact that you want to do this, but you also don't have to feel like you need to do it. So it's to each their own. We just wanted to make this an opportunity for people to understand and to remove some fear and to think about what different options were available. And I also think in removing the fear, it's very helpful to see what these things, what these procedures look like. And sometimes the before and afters and beauty by Dr. K, her Instagram, you're going to see, I love that you show all of the things that you do. Cause I think some plus no offense, but some plastic surgeons, they just show like the before and after, and you just don't know if it's been Photoshopped or if it's even their yeah. work. 
you do such a great job of explaining what you're doing and why and where. And, and so that's another great place if you're kind of freaked out about this stuff, but also very intrigued, go spend some time scrolling through her Instagram mm-hmm. account. Do a deep dive. <laughs> you're deep so dive. kind to refer people to me. I appreciate it so much. Everyone do your homework and ask yeah. your friends also. And like, it's, it's really important to take care of yourselves. With yeah. women have a lot thrown at them. And on the one hand, you get criticized if you don't take care of yourself. On the other hand, you get criticized if you do take care of yourself. And so, but I teach my daughters, you have to maintain your self-identity and self-confidence and self-esteem. It does not need to come from being pretty. It's pretty changes. You're not going to stay youthful. You got to have self-esteem from self-worth of education and who you are and how you treat people. Amen. And your character. But you also need to take care of yourself because it brings you some for of humans or, you know, you have a good hair day. You feel good about yourself. You need Facts. to the best version of yourself every day. Yes, I love it. Well, thank you so much for being a regular on the show. We really appreciate you. Please don't forget to check out our show notes for all the links of the things that we talked about so that you can connect with Dr. K on the social media platforms. Oh, and don't forget, if you want to really go on a deep dive with in more specific areas. Your podcast is great. It's called Beauty Bites. That's right. And we're actually going to feature one of your episodes. You did like a deep dive all about lip injections. So look for that guys because it's it's got all of your answers. You are one of my favorite people, role model, (laughs) and you're an inspiration to all of us women out there. Thank you for being who you are. You are incredible. Love you. Love you to the moon. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, just do me a favor and double check and make sure that you're subscribed or following if you're actually someone who listens on the Apple podcast. And if you've got just like 30 seconds, it would really mean the world to me if you were able to leave a five-star review and tell me specifically what it is you liked about this episode. My show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do also have a business podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I host that with my son Brock. It's called Build Your Tribe. You should check it out. There's always a link in the show notes. I'm sure you know this, but on Fridays, my episodes are very casual. It's very personal. It's usually stuff with myself and my husband. If you love that kind of stuff, I want to invite you to check out my Patreon. It's all of the Shaleen Show episodes ad-free. In addition to that, for just $5 a month, you get extra episodes. And this is this is the stuff that's like kind of too personal to put on the Shaleen show. It, it's all personal stuff. There's like no like personal development. It's just real raw. What's going on in our lives, stuff we can't talk about on the show. However, if you are easily offended, Patreon is not for you. That's not the place to be. All right. You can learn more about it by going to patreon.com forward slash the Shaleen show. Any of the links that I referenced in this episode will show up in the show notes, which are just below the episode. To learn more about the services that I offer and to take advantage of some of the free resources, I invite you to check out my website, which can be found at shaleen.com. 